This podcast of the Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit the SeanStevensonModel.com. Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my beautiful, talented, gifted co-host and producer, <laughs> Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade? What's up, Sean? How are you doing today? I am invigor-edgic. Invigor-edgic. <laughs> what is that? I'm energetic and invigorated yeah, at the I same see. time. <laughs> I see. I love it. I love oh, it. Shucks. Well, I'm so glad to see you. Yes, it's you know, wonderful it's always to see a pleasure. You. you are my sunshine on a cloudy day. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're a poet and didn't know <laughs> no, it. No. Look at that. I Look know. at that. You snuck up on me. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an amazing show for you guys today. And this book... Women, Food, and Desire is one of the best books I've ever read. Wow. Yeah, that's a big statement. I've read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. And Alex Jameson is our guest today, and she's going to be sharing some of the insights from the book. And I just got to say, this book was, I don't know, it's like she channeled our communication. You know, Mm -hmm. like I want to know how she actually was able to sit and to listen and to communicate our cravings and what our bodies are saying. But she really dictated that information so beautifully in the book and just like I was reading stuff I was like yes 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 that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. and I love stuff like that you know just kind of affirms stuff that we know that's in the background right and brings it to the foreground and Mm -hmm. that's what she did puts our attention on it but before we bring her on we're going to give a quick Mm -hmm. shout out to our show sponsor onit.com head over to o-n-n-i-t forward slash model for 10% off all of your health and human performance supplements we're huge fans of the hemp force protein. Mm-hmm. The most bioavailable protein for the human body is going to be found in hemp. Yes. Rich in edestin, albumin, soft globular protein. Very digestible, water soluble, and your body's mostly made of water. Yes. So it jives with you. You know, not a lot of digestive distress a lot of people get from protein supplements. You're not going to have that with the good stuff. Right. And right? it tastes so good. And it tastes amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's, it's so, so good. Amazing. It's just it's and if you go and you decide like I'm just going to go get hemp protein. Sean said hemp protein's good and you want to try your luck with something on yeah, the store shelf. I can get this anywhere. Good luck with that. Right. You know, because it's <laughs> probably going to taste <laughs> it's probably going to taste like a you're going to put it into your your shaker <laughs> bottle and you're going to be like yeah, this is dirt. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually dirt. This is a sandbox shake. So hemp force tastes good, <laughs> not hemp protein. Mm-hmm. So this is why we love those guys so much. The hemp force product is fantastic, and I really appreciate them putting that together. The Shroom Tech Sport yes. is my pre-workout supplement based on cordyceps mushroom, 5,000 years of documented history in Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. proven to improve your oxygenation of All your of blood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to jump right into libido, but <laughs> ease into that. Clinically now. proven Microwave. to improve your cell oxygenation, <laughs> which translates over to better tents, <laughs> pitching of and also just better athletic performance overall. Mm-hmm. Actually studies done on athletic performance showing its efficacy and really does work. But it's something that's natural. It's not like a popping a Viagra or something <laughs> like that. It's like, hey, look, right. my tit popped up automatically by itself. It's like a remote control. No, this takes time to actually get your body in sync. It's an adaptogen. Mm-hmm. So it helps your body to adapt to stress and to really just optimize what's going on with your endocrine system. So Absolutely. it's good stuff. Great pre-workout supplement. Head over to onit.com forward slash model mm-hmm. for 10% off. Now let's get into the iTunes review of the week. This is my favorite part. This one is from Kel Mazing. Five-star rating. They say, obsessed with your show. It's a problem with a smiley face. I heard Sean on another podcast and immediately loved his energy and down-to-earthness and subscribed. I like to make up words too, Jade. <laughs> when I listened to it, I felt like I struck gold. So much amazing, life-changing information delivered in an easy-to-understand way. I wanted to take it all in as fast as I could. I went through 100 episodes in about a month and had my family worried that I had a podcast problem. <laughs> I implemented big things that resonated round one, and I already feel crazy awesome changes in my life. Now I'm listening to them again once a week and really absorbing each morsel. I'm even teaching it to people I coach who look to me for wellness advice. <laughs> Thanks, Sean and Jade, for putting your hearts into teaching and delivering such needed information. Wow. That is so good. That's wow. a good addiction. Thank you so much. Right. That's a Loving good problem us to is have. wrong, but you don't want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call a higher quality problem. There you go. You know, mm. I truly do appreciate you leaving that review for us and letting us know, sharing your story. 
And everybody, thank you so much for leaving these reviews over on iTunes. Now let's go ahead and get into our topic of the day and our special guest. Our guest today is Alex Jamison. She's a certified holistic health counselor accredited through the Columbia University Teachers College and the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. She has completed the professional chef training. She cooks too, she makes some good food at the Natural Gourmet Institute and is the author of several books on healthy lifestyle and also some cooking books. She gets down. <laughs> and she was in the life-changing Oscar-nominated film, Super Size Me. And I, hopefully everybody's seen that. If you yeah. haven't, what rock have you been living under? This is my first time <laughs> saying that. And everybody says That's that. That's a good one. <laughs> and her approach to holistic health undid the damage that Morgan Spurlock's 30 Days McDonald's binge did to his body. She's been featured on Oprah, CNN, MSNBC. She's just a really great person, really smart. And she's written an amazing book that's going to change a lot of lives. I'd like yes. to welcome to the Model Health Show, Alex Jameson. How are you doing today, Alex? Hey, Sean. I'm good. Good to see you guys. Hey. I know, right? We can see each other now that's as well. Nice. <laughs> so if you guys want to check out the video for this episode, head over to themodelhealthshow.com. You can check that out as well. Mm -hmm. So... Alex, where do we start? We've had you on the show before, you know, kind of told some of your background story. So if you want to check that out, we'll put that in the show notes. But I want to dive into the conception of Women, Food and Desire and like what inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, when uh, Morgan and I created Supersize Me and I was helping him get his health back online, I was like, I was super vegan at the time. Yeah. I was vegan for over a decade and I was really passionate about those. My first three books were all about vegan nutrition and health. And fast forward about 10 years to when I was now in my mid 30s, had a kid, was now getting divorced from Morgan, you know, all this stuff was happening. Like life was stressful. And, you know, you're, I don't know if you knew this, but your body changes as you get older. And my hormones were not the same as they were when I was in my mid-20s when I started being a vegan. And I was having some real health problems again. You know, I found veganism as an answer to what was going on with my body in my mid-20s. But now in my mid-30s, it wasn't working anymore. And I was craving meat. And this was bad mm. news. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. professional vegan yeah. salivating over other people's steaks and hamburgers <laughs> and I hit it I ignored it I tried everything I could to make those cravings go away I was like more superfoods more sea vegetables I'll take whatever I have to more supplements nothing worked and my energy was tanking I was having insomnia it was horrible so I finally realized like after over a year of these cravings I was like I got to listen to my body. Mm. I mean, this is what I help people do. I help them really love their bodies, yeah. tune into what's good for them because we're all, as much as we're all the same, we're bio-individual. We have our own unique needs. Right. And at the same time, I'm going through this divorce. I'm having these cravings for meat. I was starting to crave men again, too. I was having, I, I wanted to call the book Men and Meatballs. <laughs> the publisher perfect. wasn't down with that. So. <laughs> I bought it. I'd have bought that. <laughs> I know, right? And it was really challenging for me to now, single mom, having gone through this kind of hairy divorce, like dating was really scary. Yeah. But my body was like, coming alive again. My libido was coming back up online after having had no interest in sex for over a couple of years. Wow. I mean, that's what happens when our health tanks. Yeah. Our libido is often one of the first signals yeah. of something is wrong here, yeah. right? So when I started eating meat again secretly, quietly, like with the windows drawn <laughs> in my kitchen because I didn't want anybody to know, my hormones started balancing again. My menstrual cycle, which had been as short as 14, 16 days, was now back on schedule yeah. with the moon and my little hippie heart was so happy with all that. And I was like, I want to date. Yeah. So I had to get really honest with myself about what my body needed and what I really wanted in my life. Yeah. And it's challenging when you're known for something, you yeah. know, when you're known for being a vegan, when you're known for being married to a certain person to then yeah. come out and say, you know what, I need to eat steak yeah. once a week or maybe more sometimes. And I'm now dating on the Internet. <laughs> Woo. That was challenging to share with the world, I got to tell you. Yeah. But the more I started talking about my cravings, my desires, 
and really honored what my body was telling me. You know, your body doesn't lie when you really listen to her or him. You know, I like yeah. to I like to think of my body as a her, not an it. Yeah. When you really yes. listen to yourself, your body will show up and you will have the health, you'll have the vitality, and you'll have to start following what your passions really are in life, which is, it, it can be scary. Yeah. That's right. And so I think that's a big part of the book is kind of like a map into finding out how to do this, you know, and traversing through the scariness that is gonna be there, especially when you start going through those different layers. And it's so fascinating. And one of the big things, you know, like we talked about this on the last episode is just kind of, the ideas that we carry. You know, I, I often like to say this to people whenever I get the opportunity is that the number one driving force of a human being is to stay congruent with the ideas that we carry of ourselves. Okay, so we're gonna be doing things consciously and unconsciously to support our ideas of who we think we are. So if we have this identity that we are, you know, we're a vegan or a paleo, whatever the case is, it's very difficult to step outside of that just because what's going on in our brain it will, I'm not necessarily in our brain, but our mm -hmm. mind mm -hmm. and ignoring the information from our body, which truly knows the truth, mm -hmm. right? Truly knows the truth. That, when you truly know your body. So yeah. I and love so, that she talks about how to reacquaint yourself with yourself. Right. And in the last show, we actually talked about some of the religiosity surrounding food and how that can really be a huge barrier for communication. And and I want everybody just before we take this any further is just to make sure you listen to that episode to get the That's whole right. spectrum, but just understand we're all on the same mission here. Every single person listening, whether you're a vegan, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're a paleo, whether you're just whole food is, whether you're just a McDonald's, whether you're eating a Big Mac right now, which chances <laughs> are you're not if you're listening to this, but we are all on the same path here to be better versions of ourselves. Like she's like, <laughs> the, guy, the, the big, the big sauce Mac though, the Big Mac know. sauce. How did he know? <laughs> and so we're talking about the minutia instead of the bigger picture and how we can all serve each other and help each other. And what it's really gonna be through is listening to our bodies. That's and right. so what I wanna ask you about in the book, this mm -hmm. is so good, in your book, there is a, um, <laughs> you called food the other F word. Mm -hmm. So why does this word conjure up so much emotion for us? Mm. I have to say that I, I think it, it may be a bit different for women than it is for men. I think women have a, a much more tumultuous, yes. challenging relationship with food and mm -hmm. our bodies mm -hmm. than dudes do for a whole lot of reasons, yeah. for a lot of reasons. You know, right about the age when we're coming into our own consciousness, our own awareness of our bodies and what feels good to us, you know, really young, like between the ages of six and 12, somewhere in there, we are, you know, you start to get a little bit more autonomy over your body and over your food choices and things get real scary real fast. So for women, especially and young girls, there is a societal wide message that sex is dangerous, that your body has one gift to give to a man, you know, our bodies are scary, like we have to protect ourselves. And oh, by the way, don't ever get fat, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that is the one crime that a woman mm -hmm. can commit. Mm -hmm. So our bodies are scary, dangerous enemies that we live in. We want to feel lovable, we want to love ourselves, and we want to give love. And food becomes so wrapped up, it becomes something dangerous, as does sex, which our bodies are constantly wanting because every young child touches themselves and experiments with masturbation, but that's wrong. And sex is evil, but you should look sexy for men. Mm -hmm. Like we're hypersexualized, but it's not for us, it's for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So all of these messages mm -hmm. get so tangled up and the only pleasure we're really allowed is food. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's deep. And yet we're not really supposed to enjoy it because should we make the mistake of getting fat or getting overweight, that's like this huge sin. And it's somehow our fault, even though there's so much to know about food sensitivities and hormonal disruption that's going on out there. So all these things are so tied up in a huge knot, it's almost impossible to figure out which one thing is the issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in food itself, you know, the whole reason that food tastes good is to make us want to eat it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's like it's kind of Captain Obvious. Right. Why does this taste so good? But of good course, for us to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're yes. if there's one to thing, procreate. I mean, 
We can say that we're possibly designed to be able to squat 500 pounds on our back. That's kind of, you know, maybe not. But we know for certain that we're designed to procreate. We're designed to reproduce. It's the driving force of our existence. And to kind of suppress that and to not talk about it is very taboo in our culture in general for any of this stuff is very, it kind of cuts off a part of our lifeline, you know, and we start to express ourselves in different ways, you know, because we need an outlet. And talking about food, you know, first and foremost, you know, food is for the purpose of tasting good. That's why it's there. But manufacturers, of course, have manipulated that definitely, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just talking about natural foods. There's a driving force for us to do that and to nourish ourselves as well, you know, because nature designed this stuff so it tastes good and also is good for us. But we oftentimes, even with some healthier foods, we get these feelings of guilt, shame. Yeah. We feel bad about eating food, right? Right. So yeah. it becomes this F word that Alex talked about. So can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, as far as I can tell, whatever power created me, whatever power created us, it designed us to love food and sex. These are two of the best things about being a human. And we are so wrapped up around them emotionally. So food becomes like a taboo, even though it's something we have to do every day. And unfortunately, we're, there's so little awareness around it because we're so afraid of it that it becomes even less understood. You know, we don't eat with awareness or intention. It's so funny. I really believe that we think about food all the time, like we're obsessed with food, but we don't really give ourselves the time to eat. Mm. Oh, yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Great point. It's something that it's everywhere in the media. You know, health and lifestyle are two of the biggest concerns when it comes to the millennial generation. Yeah. You know, they're super concerned about health and well-being, I think because they've seen their parents go downhill with their own health. Yeah. But at the same time, we have more and more junk food products on the shelves. We still have more obesity than ever before. So we've got these parallel things going on at the same time. And I really believe it's because of this, you know, this lack of awareness. It's, it's basically, it's not that we need to know more facts. Mm. I don't think we need more facts. People know what foods do to them. Most right. people do. Yeah. We're afraid and we don't have the community that can support us and really discovering what our cravings really mean to us yeah yeah what are our habits mm. what are our habits of thought and our habits of food you know you share so much about listening to your cravings in the book but you also said that cravings can be complicated <laughs> so why is that can you talk a little bit about that well there's four root causes of any craving four possible root causes the uh. first is bacterial you know you may have an overgrowth of candida yeast or fungi in your body and or other kinds of bacteria we don't even know the microbiome is like the wild west of nutrition <laughs> we're yeah. still learning so much about it but we know that when there is an overgrowth of the bad bacteria they generally crave sugar and there are 10 times more of them than there are human cells in our bodies right. so they're running the show i used to joke and say that they were the beast within or the mm -hmm. puppet master well it's true those bacteria like they communicate with our nervous system via the vagus nerve they actually get you off the couch at 11 o'clock at night to go to the freezer and get the ben and jerry's like they need fuel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so our cravings may be bacterially driven in some way there's also nutritional cravings, right? Your body will tell you to go eat certain foods if you are nutritionally deficient. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common nutrient deficiencies that we're experiencing is magnesium. Yeah. And our favorite source of magnesium is chocolate. Mm -hmm. And our body knows, oh, not only do I get the cocoa and the sugar and the little hit of caffeine and the mouthfeel, oh, I get some magnesium out of it too. So I always put my super cravers onto a magnesium supplement to help bring that down. Yeah. But then there's also the emotional and the physical. And we are emotional creatures. I've had so many of my clients say, I have an emotional eating problem. I'm like, sweetheart, we're all emotional eaters. That's a myth that you can stop being an emotional eater. We're just emotional creatures. We bring it with us to the table. But how aware are you of what's driving those emotions? What's causing the emotions? And are you using food to help you deal with those emotions? And what's a new way you could learn to handle that? So looking at stress, looking at family, looking at relationships and career, like all of that should be part of your health plan. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's the physical cravings. We are animals. We are physical creatures. We like to move. We like to have sex. We need to sleep. All of these things, we need them to be fully alive. And we don't get enough of any of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sleep, movement, or sex. We need all of those things more, I think. So our bodies really are craving a whole wide variety of things. It's usually not just one thing that's underlying your cravings. Yeah. But to look in those four different areas, that's a, it takes a little bit more attention, a little bit more time than just like a 14-day juice cleanse. Right. So it really takes an understanding that I want to shift my life, not just lose five pounds so I can get into that bikini. Yeah. That's the work, you know, and why we would oftentimes jump to a 14-day cleanse or juice fast is because it takes the mind out of it. Like I'm doing this thing now and it, right. it can take away from that inner work. And what can be difficult and what a lot of people don't sign up for when they do these processes of like fasting and things like that is this stuff starts to come up. You know, you start to hear the voice, you start to pay more attention because you don't have that buffer there with, you know, a cheeseburger kind of just uh, finessing its way through your gastrointestinal tract, you know? So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about now being able to decipher some of these cravings, especially emotional cravings. Yes. Yeah. You know, the the same part of the brain that lights up when you're lonely is the same part of the brain that lights up when you're in physical pain. Mm. So emotions, you feel emotions in your body. Your brain treats them the same way as it does real physical threats. So emotions are incredibly important to your well-being. We know this, right? We know that people who have IBS or other gut disorders that stress is a huge contributing factor to a flare up. And I think it it took quite a lot of time for doctors to step into appreciating the role that stress was having on their patients. Now, I do have to say a shout out for our doctors. Like I know that they have been given a hard time. They work really hard. They are starting to come around. Doctors really get into medicine because they want to help people. I know I've got a couple of doctors in my family and the the rise of functional medicine is really helping to educate doctors about what they can do to really help people heal their underlying issues. And yet our medical system is still very focused on prescription and surgery rather than the, you know, the functional underlying causes of how are you eating? How are you treating your body? How are you relaxing? How are you, how's your schedule? How much time do you commute? How's your relationships? You know, all these things, your job. You know, you know what's amazing to me is that if you have a commute that's walkable every day, like if you could walk to work every day, that would be worth $60,000 in life satisfaction to people. Mm. So people who get to walk to work, they have as high life satisfaction as somebody who makes $60,000 more than them, but has to drive. Mm, I saw that. that. I saw that study you're talking about as well. Yeah. So there are a lot of little things that have a huge impact on our satisfaction and our well-being. And I have to say, to be truly satisfied in your life, that's a pretty radical act. We are not taught to be well. Mm-hmm. We're taught to strive, to compete. And there's nothing wrong with competition. Competition's fine. Yeah. But for a lot of women, especially, competition results in comparison mode. Yeah. And I know dudes do it as well. I can only speak from my perspective. And 90% of my clients are women. So I'm speaking for this side of the gender line right now. Mm-hmm. Comparison is a killer. Mm-hmm. It makes our bodies never good enough. It makes our education never high enough. We're not worthy enough. We don't ask for what we're worth when it comes to asking for a raise. Mm -hmm. So all of these emotions, they have a huge impact on our our physical well-being and our financial well-being, right? So it's not a cut and dried thing. Like there's no 21-day diet that will address your life satisfaction in this way. Yeah. and What will though? Yeah, there's a great story that can probably bring some of this stuff to light. When you shared about, I believe she was one of your clients and her addiction with the late night ice cream and the root thing was her daughter not being at home anymore. Can you share that story, please? 
Yeah, yeah. So I had this client here in New York City, and her daughter had gone on to college, and she was now alone at home every night. And she could not stop eating ice cream every night. I was like, I have been there, sweetie. I have so been there. I used to have an ongoing threesome with Ben and Jerry's on my couch every <laughs> night for months during my divorce. I tell you, I've been there. Uh-huh. We need to look at it like it's not the sugar and the fat. I mean, sugar and fat are awesome. They help really calm your body down. They, they make your body a little bit happy. Which I got to tell you, in the scheme of things, is it the worst coping mechanism? It's better than heroin, maybe better than cigarettes, you know, in the scheme of things, maybe not the worst. But let's look at what's really going on. What's really taking you to that fridge every night? Mm -hmm. I said, I want you to just sit with how you're feeling. Just do it tonight. Call me tomorrow. Just sit with that feeling and don't go to the fridge and just feel what comes up. We're not practiced in experiencing discomfort and really just sitting with it and looking at it and letting it flow through us. We try to fight it. We try to push it away. We shop it away. We, you know, internet porn it away. We video poker it away. We do whatever we can to not feel it. I said, just sit there with it. You know, get out a journal if you want to write it down or whatever. She called me the next day. And she said, I broke down in tears. I just sat there at my kitchen table and I sobbed. And she just let it all come out of her. She was lonely. She was worried. She was afraid. And then it was kind of just gone. And the emotion had moved through her. She had been able to experience it. She's like, I had a cup of tea and I went to bed. Hmm. And that was it. Yeah. And it became extremely easy for her afterwards to have lovely, healthy nights that didn't involve Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, I I believe it was, and maybe it was from you that I heard this, but just ice cream, obviously we're talking about the milk sugar and also the additional sugar, that sweetness, you know, that she could have been lacking, you know? And so she was searching for this in maybe not the best ways, not the worst, but she was looking for that sweetness that she was missing maybe from her daughter, you know? And she was. She wants the sweet life, don't yeah. we all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we want to be connected with the people we love and have mm-hmm. unique experiences. And the mm-hmm. fat, are they're kind of more grounding and insulating and kind of cover us up, mm-hmm. you know? And these are just some of the things that are just coming up as I was reading your book. It's just like, that makes so much sense, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. all of this stuff is wired up together. You know, food really does influence our emotions and our emotions really do influence our food choices. You know, it really goes hand in hand, super powerful stuff. So then what I'm hearing as we're listening to you now is that once she released that emotion or released that food and that insulation, then it could pass through. So is that key that the emotion passes through, filters on through our system and then is released? It is. You know, we hold emotion in our body, in our organs, in our cells. And if we don't let it go and let it flow through us, it will be stuck with us. And I call it static. It's like Mm. this intense energy that we don't like. So we just try to tamp it down with sugar, alcohol, fat, whatever is within arm's reach, you know, whatever our drug of choice is. And letting it go is extremely healing. I mean, there are so many books out there, so many stories on the, the power of emotional healing when it comes to the physical manifestation of disease or discomfort. Mm, right. Did she ever return to that state of being where the, or was she, once she was free, she was free? You know, we're all just, as someone once said, spiritual beings having this human earthly experience, and we're going to have hard times. It's going to go away. We never reach some perfect state of happiness. I don't think that's the point. Mm-hmm. But for her, she was able to really understand how her daughter's absence was affecting her and then start to get more support around that. So we started making evening dates for her and her girlfriends to go do things or to have her friends over for dinner, even one or two girlfriends have a little potluck once or twice a week that really helped to bring a nice energy into her home that she was missing. Yeah. And she realized, oh, I'm like, I'm craving people. I'm craving connection and community. That's huge. I've just got to acknowledge you right here. And I usually save this for towards the end of the show, but it takes a lot of courage to write a book like this, especially in our field where 
we're constantly surrounded by people who are very analytical when looking at health and looking at science. Like I want to know some facts and some studies and I'm all about that. I'm a very, that's who I am. You know, it's kind of how I'm wired up to be very analytical, you know, kind of typical guy, you know, but also it's just, it's so courageous because this is going into areas that don't have that much research, that don't have that much attention, but it's where the real game is at, you right. know, and more information is coming out about this. And you did tie in, an, you know, a nice amount of science as well and talking about what's going on with the brain and things like that. But telling this story that's not told, you know, that there are other things in our life that greatly influence the decisions we make, mm -hmm. you know, and this isn't something that we can readily even do a study about, but we need to talk about it. You know, so I just want to thank you and acknowledge mm, you for that. Too. And one of the most fascinating, it was a little section in the book was the section, remembering what we eat and mm. just talking about how, well, for, you, you talk about it, just share a little bit about that section. <laughs> well, there's so many things about memory that are faulty, you know, in police work, they say the, like the worst witness is an eyewitness. Like we, <laughs> we can, our brains trick us. We can forget. We have happiness amnesia, right? When we're depressed or upset, we forget that we've ever been happy yeah. and we're like, oh, I'm never going to be happy again. And it's really easy to forget, forget what we've eaten or how it made us feel. So in that way, I do like to have people start to keep track of what they're eating a little bit, but not in a way to count calories or grams or any of that. I don't go into that. I don't do calorie counting anymore with people. Like, what did you eat and how did it make you feel? Yes. How did it help you be the person that you want to show up as? Yeah. Did it help you have the energy that you really wanted in your day? And then begin to really pinpoint, oh, when I eat this for breakfast and this for lunch, I show up at work like a rock star. Mm -hmm. Or I can show up in this way for my kid and it's awesome. Or I can do this activity and it feels great. Like getting to know yourself and how food affects you, your individual body is golden. But sometimes you need a little bit of tracking to help you figure that out. Yeah, and also, so we can have a short-term memory with food, but we also have a long-term memory with food as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so certain meals or certain experiences we have with food, we yeah. have that food again, instantly connects to something good or positive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that in the book as well, but also negative things. And that's what really kind of jumped out for me because as soon as you talked about, you know, you, maybe you eat a certain food and you get food poisoning or you get really sick shortly after, you know, and it jumped right into my mind. Like, I never again want to eat these Rally's French fries, <laughs> right? When I was a kid, we had, and they were new, like Rally's and AKA Checkers, mm -hmm, AKA mm -hmm. Doubles, AKA Zips. Mm -hmm. You know, they had all these different names, but they had these seasoned fries. And I ate those fries and I, I had a burger. It was the first time eating the fries and I got so just like so sick afterwards. And to this day, even thinking about it, like my mouth starts right kind of, yeah, I don't yeah. feel that good. And it's because of that deep kind of neural association. And it might not have even been the fries. It's just I ate it during that period. And, and my right. mind is still connected to that. Mm -hmm. right. Super powerful. Which is a, it's a really important technique to point out. You know, I'm here at my desk and here at my desk, I always have a couple little bottles of essential oils with me. And you can reprogram your brain to go back to a state that you want to have more of. And you can use scents, which are really powerful. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you've ever smelled something and it took you back to this memory where like, oh my gosh, I'm in my grandma's house and mm -hmm. she's cooking my favorite dinner. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can really get clear about your intended state of being, about how you want to show up in, you know, in your creative work or in your client work whatever it is that is important to you. And you can use a scent to anchor you yeah. to that intention. Nice. It's a really powerful tool that oh. you can use for good <laughs> rather than, you know, Absolutely. sorry about the food poisoning memory. Yeah. <laughs> no, sure. I was like, should I? No. So right, right. that right there, it's so powerful because research indicates that our sense of smell is like tied to our long-term memory more so than any other sense. Right. You know, we talked a little bit about this with Gretchen Rubin, mm -hmm. that sense of smell, the olfactory sense and how powerful it is because we've got short-term memory there and long-term memory. That long-term memory though is very, very strong. So thank you for that tip. I'm gonna start using that mm -hmm. because it's just like, if we can tap back into that, that's what it's really about, you know, being able to change your state. 
Sure. And if you can use other things externally to help internally, mm-hmm. I think that's super powerful. Good stuff. Thank you. And, that, and that's what emotional eating is really about. It's emotional eating or, you know, eating for stress reduction is our body's way to try to help us feel better. Our body is just trying to help us feel better in the best way that she or he can. And if you can do that with a little bottle of essential oils instead of a cupcake, maybe mm-hmm. that's a better long-term strategy. Cupcake. Yeah, yeah. Well, that works in the bedroom, too. Absolutely, and I'm just saying, the scented candles that remind me of honeymoon or other days we make just got it real sexy easy. Time. I'm just saying, sexy we time talked turned about our on. needs, our natural, natural drives. The, the oil factory, right yeah, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great segue into, you know, the book is Women, Food, and Desire. Mm-hmm. And there's a chapter that you have, and it's titled, Relishing Your Body's Capacity for Pleasure. Mm-hmm. So... Let's dive full in and talk about that chapter and why it's important. Why did you put that in the book? Well, I have to be honest. I'd love to write a whole book, just this. (laughs) But you can skip directly to chapter eight if you just want to dive right into this topic more. (laughs) In my own journey of discovering what my cravings were really about, I had to get very real with myself that I'm a sexual person that most of us are. Most of us enjoy what our bodies are capable of experiencing. And yet, like with food, there is so much shame and miseducation and cultural taboo and guilt around our sexual pleasure. So it was really hard for me to discover what it was that I liked again after a divorce that, you know, how a lot of divorces end. It's like the last two or three years are kind of dry. You know, you're like struggling to try to make things work and it doesn't. And it's like a desert. It's like a sexual (laughs) desert. (laughs) I was coming out of the sexual desert, headed for the grass fed beef. And that sounds like a 90s. It sounds like a 90s R&B group. Sexual (laughs) desert. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. 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 I love it. I'll play tambourine. I'm totally into it. (laughs) And as I was exploring what it was that I wanted physically, I noticed that there was a lot of shame coming my way from some girlfriends Mm -hmm. who weren't totally down with my choices. You know, I had in my effort to like discover what it was that I responded to, I had over a hundred first dates in a year and a half. I was dating like it was my job. (laughs) I'm saying yes. (laughs) And I had a little two and a half year old boy at home. So when he was with his dad for a weekend, I would like line him up. Okay, Cupid, like, what do you got? Coffee, (laughs) dinner, after coffee, drink. Okay. So it was really the same way that I was approaching eating. Mm. I say, you know, you can diet and you can date in the same exact way. And that is showing up being present and saying, how does this person feel to me? Mm. And how does this food feel? How does like, does this person help me come alive? Do I feel good? Do I feel smart? Do do they make me laugh? Like, how do they feel to me? Where does my body respond to them? It's the same thing as trying to figure out what foods are good for you. Like, how is my body responding to this? Yeah. And it may not be what's good on paper. Right. Yeah. Right. It may not be the person who has all those check marks on their dating profile, like, well, maybe they don't, you know, maybe they don't make enough money. Maybe they're not real serious, but you meet them and you're like, wow, this person's awesome. Mm. And maybe same with food. Like I was vegan. There were a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to do. I was like, wow, when I eat some fish, my body just says, yes, Mm. more. My energy's good. My headaches go away, like all these things. So as I talked more with a few friends and then a few clients about what does your body really want? Mm. Like what kind of relationships do you want? What kind of sexual life do you really want? They were so happy somebody had finally asked them this. Hmm, They were like, the food is so secondary to me right now. I really want a better sexual relationship with my husband mm-hmm. or I'm in my mid forties and I'm not dating and I haven't had a relationship for five years. Like, how do I get my mojo back? How do I balance mm-hmm. my hormones? So here was this whole other world. People were coming to me for nutrition and emotional eating, and they wanted to talk about sex and relationships. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you can't take those two things away from each other for a vast majority of women who are seeking real health. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So powerful. I mean, obviously, the thing is, and you brought this up multiple times, this is a huge part of who we are. 
You yeah. know, you can't have one without the other. And just being able to listen, I love the fact that you said that. If it's kind of like the approach, a healthier approach to food, you know, and like listening to your body when you're in the presence of, you know, a certain person. And on more so, the biggest takeaway that I got was being honest about what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, having the audacity to be honest about what you want. What do you want in your relationship that you may not have right now? Or what do you want in the relationship that you do have? What is your ideal situation look like? Because for you to be able to experience that, we need to articulate it. You know, it's kind of like a good first step, right? Yeah, it, it really is. And this brings us to masturbation. And perfect segue. <laughs> which is such an amazing tool that doesn't get enough airtime. It doesn't get enough uh, scientific study, although that's not even true. There is so much good scientific information out there showing how valuable masturbation is as a healing tool. Now, I know people are going to, what is it, the NoFap community, they are going to argue with me that dudes should not be masturbating at all. Look, it's just like food. You can use masturbation too much or in a way to not feel what you're really feeling. So again, food, sex, same thing. Okay. But for women, especially, and I think for some dudes as well, we are not taught that masturbation is okay and a healthy pleasure that we should be enjoying. Now in the guy culture, it's kind of accepted. They, you know, they joke about it. Everybody kind of accepts that you're doing it. You maybe not talk about it, honestly, but with women, it's pretty quiet. It's pretty silent. We're not really sharing about it. And yet it's such a valuable tool to get to know your own body better, your unique topography, what feels good to you. It's so healing, especially for women who have already had kids or perimenopausal women or menopausal or postmenopausal women, or even young women, 18 to 30, who are already experiencing fertility issues. Masturbation is an incredible tool that you can begin to use. Okay. So masturbation and this can be super simple you don't even need a vibrator just using your hand 15 minutes every other day every day if you've got the space and time awesome it can really increase your body's fsh follicle stimulating hormone yes so for women who are having uh fertility issues it's great you release oxytocin all the pleasure hormones that help bond you to someone that help you feel good in your body it also when women especially use a little bit of fantasy with their masturbation, either reading some erotica or looking at something that turns them on, it boosts our testosterone. Mm. And a lot of women are having wonky hormone issues. Mm. So if we can spend a little bit of time in this really pleasurable state by ourselves where there's no pressure to perform or take care of someone else and just really tune into our bodies and what feels good for us, it has a huge benefit to us hormonally. Yeah, wow. I'm so glad that you brought up this topic because it's, again, it's one of those taboo subjects that is so important, especially like you said, especially for women. There's, like you said, there's movies, you know, just kind of joking about the fact American Pie comes to mind. Right. You know, like this kid is like doing it to a pie, right? <laughs> and it's kind of like, it's funny about guys, but, and it's accepted in a weird way. But with women, it's just like not talked about. And also it's just kind of being able to understand first and foremost, you deserve to feel good. Yeah. You know, you deserve to feel good. And right. it's not always a situation where even if you've got a guy who's like, I mean, he is on and he's the best, you know, I'm pointing at myself. The, <laughs> and he knows, you know, knows what to do, knows how you like things and things of that nature. Sometimes it's just a different thing. It's a self-care, you know, and it's okay to have that in your repertoire. Or not, you know, it's your choice. But just even talking about the fact that it, it is okay if you're interested in, in looking more into it. And there's some benefits there. And I even talked about this in uh, Sleep Smarter because it's one of the, we call it, quote, sleeping together. You know, because you said you have this, this chemical cocktail that gets released. Look at that. When you have an orgasm, you know, both men and women release, like you said, the oxytocin. And you don't even have to reach orgasm. Just being sexually stimulated for women is enough to release the hormones in a beneficial way. In addition to like it reduces our stress, it helps us sleep better if we do it in the hour before we go to bed. And finally, I think for young women especially, and I've been talking to a lot of moms at my kids' school about this, Mm. for young women especially, it can help them find a level of physical self-confidence 
that will later on pay off when they're able to say, no, this is a physical boundary for me. Like, this is what I want in my relationship. And this is what I won't accept because I know my body and my body needs this and this and this. So I really believe that it builds a physical self-confidence that women need and that we should be sharing with yeah. our daughters and with the young women we know. Yeah. And just by me being a scientist, you know, mm -hmm. so I looked into this a little bit and I found consistently what you just said. It's not so much about completion or orgasm all the time for a woman. And for some guys who are very attentive and just, you know, <laughs> they want to, to have the job done every time when it's on the menu. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes it's just like, that's not what you want. It's just like the stimulation is enough. Mm -hmm. And this is where a woman does her work to find that out herself, you know, because right. and also, you know, but with the orgasm, we get the benefit of like a prolactin, for example, which it, when I brought up the Sleep Smarter thing, with guys, they actually release four times more prolactin when they have an orgasm with a partner versus when they have it by themselves. You ah, know? So, that's why you guys fall asleep. Exactly. But, and when they're by themselves, they probably just order pizza, yeah. you know? So, but, and also women, same thing, prolactin, the oxytocin, but a lot of this stuff just gets released just from the act of being sexual, period. And there's one other thing that I really want to underline for women who have had children or older women, and that is Kegels, their relationship to orgasm, and urinary incontinence. So there are a gajillion videos on jade egg exercises. Now you may have heard of, you know, Asian Benoit balls or wands that women can use. It's basically doing Kegel exercise with something inserted inside you, something that's an egg shape or those round Benoit balls. Basically, you wouldn't go to the gym and try to build up your biceps just by going like this, would you? No, you'd get a weight and you'd have some resistance to it. You got to move something with your muscles. So it's the same thing with Kegels. So women have been doing Kegels to get rid of their urinary incontinence or even improve their orgasmic response. Right. And it hasn't been working. Why? Because they're not using anything to resist and strengthen those muscles. Yeah. So you can get toys at those clean, well-lit places for sex toys that are going to help you really have something to focus on. It'll end your urinary incontinence and it will help you find your orgasm. Mm -hmm. So when you masturbate with this, and, it, and you don't even have to call it masturbation, you could be doing your kegels with this toy, learn a couple of techniques, and it will help you, oh my gosh, I mean, boosting women's confidence. So many women are experiencing urinary incontinence and it causes all kinds of trouble and discomfort and shame for them when it doesn't have to happen. They think they've been doing their kegels wrong when in reality, they just need this like tiny little toy made out of steel or glass or stone that will help them really tighten those muscles so that they can feel good and strong in their body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And lots of guys also, Kegels have lots of benefits as well, doing these exercises for the same reason, you know, but also self-control, you know, so helping with premature ejaculation, doing Kegels can help with that as well. So it's one of those things, again, it's just training, training a muscle. Mm -hmm. So, so as we're building up our strength and our kegels and our capacities, is there a chance? And I, I'm hoping we can address this. Are we building up any barriers between us and a partner because mm -hmm. we become so familiar and are able to satisfy and strengthen and come to a place of peace, so to speak, with ourselves? If our partners do not know how, or they're trying to do the job, those kinds of things. How can we be sure that we're not building up any barriers? And if we are, how do we help bring everybody up to speed? This is a, such a great topic. You know, over 50% of men and just under 50% of women within relationships self-report that they're still masturbating. So a lot of people are still masturbating within relationship, but they're not talking about it together. It's kind of this no-go zone. Again, it's another taboo within a relationship. So I actually, incur and it depends on the couple, but for women who aren't comfortable with their bodies or are experiencing, you know, lack of orgasm or they want to increase their sexual response, I encourage them to talk with their partner, talk about the benefits of masturbation that actually it will make you more likely to engage in sexual relations with your partner when you begin to masturbate more and turn yourself on 
when you know yourself better and your capacity starts to grow, it can actually bring couples a lot closer together, especially when you have the conversations. And we need to talk about these things, you know, sitting together on a couch face to face, maybe you share a glass of wine if it feels a little bit too challenging, a little nerve wracking to have this talk, but what it is that you really want. Talk about your concerns, your desires for yourself, for you as a couple. Like these conversations don't happen often enough. And the more we talk about what it is that we want, our fantasies together and and these really simple non-cheating ways. Masturbation is not cheating. It is a self-pleasure technique that can be done happily within a relationship, either together or separately. Mm-hmm. And it can actually bring a lot of benefits to the couple. Wow. There's mm-hmm. so much here and we can obviously talk so much more in depth about these different things, but everybody definitely check out Women, Food and Desire. And Alex, I want to ask you this question. And I might have asked you this before the last time you were on, but every time I see you, even if it's 10 minutes later, you're different. You know, we all grow and we keep getting better and becoming more of ourselves. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. What is the model that you're here to set with the way that you're living your life right now? The model that I'm trying to set for myself and my kid and my friends and the women that I serve is that you can trust yourself that your body and your soul that resides within this body are valuable and worthy of love and respect. And if you develop a great relationship with that voice that comes through your body as cravings and as sensation, you can really have everything you want if you begin to listen to her and you trust each other. That relationship is paramount. It's the foundation upon which a great life is lived. Yeah. Wow. So good. Alex, let everybody know where they can connect with you. Yeah, you can come check me out at alexandrajameson.com or you can get the book at womenfoodanddesire.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. You're the best. And everybody, definitely head over and check out Alex's free cravings quiz. All right. She's giving us all access to this and you can get your hands on this for free to help you to have like a roadmap to really understanding what's going on with your cravings. So head over to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash crave, themodelhealthshow.com forward slash crave to get your hands on this free cravings quiz. Thank you both so much. This is great. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this and just starting to ask questions, you know, and really starting to pay more attention to what you're craving. You know, what is your deepest, most innermost desire for your life, you know? What do you really want? And it's okay to want that. You know, it's okay to be honest with yourself about yourself, you know? And what this is gonna lead to is more honesty in your outer world as well. But it starts with you, you know? Just understanding and listening to your body is probably the greatest capacity that you can develop Mm. because it's just gonna lead you to health and lead you to living the life that you truly deserve. So take care, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk with you soon. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to TheSeanStevensonModel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome and you're loving it. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And take care, everybody. promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.